Well, we've been talking over the last several weeks um, about spiritual habits that can help us as we go into a new year. Not just as we go into a new year, but also as we are developing our spiritual life. So uh, I guess the next question I had was, how have your spiritual habits been going over these last few weeks? You know, we talked at the beginning of this series about how we have resolutions that we make, whether it's to save money, lose weight, go on vacation, spend more time with family, those sorts of things. Some of them pan out and some of them we utterly fail at. How many of you have ever failed to keep a resolution? Let me just see your hands and make sure I know I'm in the right place this morning, all right? Um, but I hope that as we've been talking through the spiritual habits uh, over the last couple weeks, that you've been implementing some of these things. We talked about reading God's word. We talked about praying consistently, keeping that conversation with God going, uh, not just when you hit your hand with a hammer or someone cuts you off or your boss doesn't do what you thought they would do, but consistently praying. And then last week, um, I preached a difficult message. And that message was on fasting. Let me see your hands. Not if you fasted this last week, because I'm not going to call on you and let you. But how many of you have ever fasted a meal before? Raise your hands. See, we're in a good group this morning. Um, And those of you that are at home, we can't see your hands, but just hit the like button or something and we'll know. Um, Today, we're going to cap off our series uh, by talking about another spiritual habit. But I had this funny thought this week, which is um, if there's somebody that's not here today that you saw last week, you need to check on them because they may have fasted and passed away. Okay, but anyway, we're going to talk about this last spiritual habit, and that is this. The word is community. The truth is, is that life is better together. It truly, truly is. Even introverts would agree. It doesn't matter whether you're an extrovert or an introvert. We need others in this life. And God never intended us to walk this life alone. This is so important for us to understand. And you say, Pastor, that doesn't really sound like a spiritual habit. It is a spiritual habit. The habit of community and joining together. Authentic community where we deeply know others and are known by others is necessary for a meaningful and a deeply engaged, victorious spiritual life. Let me say it another way. God designed you, each one of you, with an inherent need for community. Hence the fanfare that we just received. If you're on Facebook, you didn't hear that in our building, but the children are going crazy upstairs because they liked my first point. So point number one, God designed you with an inherent need for community. I I won't make you go there, but I will tell you, Go to Genesis chapter 1 this week and you'll hear the words of God saying, I've created man, but it's not good for him to be alone. If you're a man in this room, say amen. Okay, if you're a man in this room, say amen. 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 Okay, 
God designed each one of us with this inherent need for community. So being in community with others, it builds and strengthens my faith. When I'm in community with others, and we'll talk about what the definition of that looks like, but when I'm joining with others who are like-minded, who have similar passions, similar goals, whatever the case may be, when I have a group of people around me, I have support, I have authentic love, I have this drive or ambition that comes from being with those people. So when we talk about it in the faith atmosphere, It builds and strengthens my faith. But it's really amazing because being in community with others actually helps them too. So it's got two side effects which are really, really helpful and beneficial for us. Um, I said this earlier, but even introverts are hardwired for community. God designed you like this. The problem is American individualism. This isn't a political statement at all, but over the last probably hundred years or so here in America, we've pushed and pushed and pushed about individualism. You don't need anybody. Girl, you don't need a man. Like that kind of stuff, right? You guys are laughing because you've heard it before or maybe said it before. But the true reality is, is you do. You need friends. You need deep personal connection. You need partners in this life. And the best place to find them is at Celebrate Church. That is, that's not just how I feel. That's what I know. Okay? So American individualism really has caused us to diverge from true community because we've said, well, that's my personal relationship with God. That's none of your business. I know you haven't said that, but you've heard somebody say something like that. They call themselves Christians and they think that community is optional. But the bad news is, like many other things that we talk about here in church, that's not biblical. In fact, community, intentional Christian community is a non-negotiable part of being a healthy and effective, vibrant, victorious believer. Intentional community is a non-negotiable. When it comes to you being part of a church, church is not a spectator sport. Can I get a loud amen? Amen. John Wesley, he was a pastor and evangelist and he co-founded the Methodist movement in the Church of England, he said this, and we'll put the quote on the screen for you. Christianity is not solitary. The Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. So we need to think about that, and we need to, in the context of thinking of the spiritual habit of community, understand that we need one another. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to give you some context scriptures this morning. We never want to take scripture out of context. So I'm going to read to you a few verses that may not seem to apply, but they'll be helpful for us as we get started. Verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 10. 
I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, and with our hearts sprinkled with, clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, I love this. It's one of my favorite verses in scripture. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You've got something to hold on to when it comes to God because he knows you, he created you, he deeply understands what you're going through and we are encouraged by the writer of Hebrews to hold fast to that moment, that original confession of our hope knowing that we were not mistaken, that God has not left the throne, that he's still there, amen, and he's ruling over all. So we have got to see this for what it is. I love what it communicates in those first few verses. Maybe you're not really grasping the significance of this, but when it says everyone can draw near, this was mind-blowing for those early believers. Because in the olden days before that, it was just a single person, the priest, and it wasn't very often. And then you had to trust and believe that he said what he said was really from God and all these things. But now the writer of Hebrews is telling us everyone, not just priests, can draw near. And the holding fast is our part. The holding fast of the confession of our hope. So then jump to verse 24 and it says this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Have you ever known an agitator? Have you ever been an agitator? <laughs> See, nobody's going to be like, mm-hmm. Some of us would be that honest. But we've known some people who it just seems like they just start stuff. Well, this is a good way to start stuff. The Bible says that you all ought to stir one another up to love and good works. That's the best kind of peer pressure. I want you to think about this. Have you ever seen a cowboy with legitimate boots on that had spurs, maybe in a movie or maybe in real life? My wife and I and family um, had the opportunity this last year, this last summer, to travel to San Antonio and go and spend the day at a dude ranch with authentic cowboys and cowgirls. And when they use those spurs, they are actually causing a little bit of pain. (laughs) But they're pushing that horse in the direction that they want them to go. So think about that in the context of what we're reading. It really is similar to that. That when we push one another and encourage one another, sometimes it's going to be an in-your-face, girl, you need to grow up. Brother, I'm telling you what, you need to spend a little bit more time with Jesus because that attitude is not correct. When we say things like that, when we live a life like that within community, that's us obeying this scripture. Stir one another up to love and good works. Now be careful 
Because there's a fine line between that and what we would call self-righteousness. You are not the police. Everybody say this with me. I am not the police. Okay, so it's not your job to go around and go, hmm, I noticed this in your life. No, but within the context of community where we're developing friendships and relationships with, with one another, inevitably, things will come up that we need to deal with. And when they do, we deal with them with grace and with that attitude of Christ to stir one another up to love and even to good works. Verse 25, it says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, you may wonder why the day is capitalized in this verse. The reasoning for this is the original writers, and even still today, we preach the gospel, which means that the full message is Jesus saves, and that is for eternity, but there will come a day of reckoning. And so the writer is encouraging the people to understand that you've got to really tighten up and be together, encourage one another, even more so as you see the day drawing near. I don't know about you, but it seems like the day is drawing near. And so I think even more now than ever, community is important. So don't neglect meeting together as is the habit of some. There were some who were preaching or teaching heresy in those days and some who believe in that heresy today, which is I can just stay home. Now, wait a second. We're not talking about a a pandemic and COVID, but we're talking about, well, I don't really need to go to church. Yes, you do. You need to come to church. You need to join church online. You need people to be part of your life in this way. So it says encourage one another. I don't know if you knew this, but we've talked about it before. There are nearly 60 one another statements in scripture. And if they're one another's, are those listed out, if I listed them all out, you'd see the importance of what they mean in community. I'm just going to rattle some off to you, and you can write down some references and look at them later if you'd like to. But the Bible clearly tells us over and over again, love one another. John 13, verse 34. Romans 12, 10 says this, that you are to be devoted to one another, but she's ugly, but she stinks, but he talks too much, but he be devoted to one another. Romans 12.10 also says that we're to honor one another. Romans 12.16, you are to live in harmony with one another. If you know anything about music theory, that's an interesting way that Paul told the church to live. You are to live harmoniously with one another. Romans 15 verse 5 says this, be like-minded towards one another. Romans 15 7, accept one another. I accept that you are a believer on a journey to becoming more like Christ. And I want you to accept me as that too. Romans 15 14 says, admonish one another. You know what that is? That word actually means correct. Correct one another. 
We're told to do this. Care for one another. In 1 Corinthians 12, 25, serve one another, Galatians 5, 13. Bear with one another's burdens, according to Galatians 6. You're to bear, you're to put up. Y'all got quiet. You're to put up with one another as you're on this journey. Because it's not always going to be pretty and perfect. Can I get an amen? Amen. These are just a few of the one another's in scripture, but none of these can be done outside of the context of living in community. Point number two is this. God's enemy wants to destroy our community. Now I could take this point and apply it in several different dynamic ways. Is there the onslaught of evil in society? Yes, he wants to destroy our community. Crime rising, all of the things that you see about political upheaval. Are there other things at work? Yes. But what we're talking about today specifically is that God's enemy has always wanted to destroy our sense of community. The news that I have to share with you today, which you may be well aware of, but I'll remind you, is we have a real enemy. God's enemy is your enemy too. He's an eternal being and his mission that he has chosen is to destroy community. The threat is real. This is not a drill. We are not living In days where, if you remember what it was like to kind of have 30 minutes outside of school because they did a fire drill and everybody got to run outside to the basketball court or the whatever because y'all were doing a drill in case something bad ever happened. Have you ever been in a high school when it actually caught on fire? Well, that's good. You did some drills because you practiced. That was good. Think about it like this. This is not a drill. This life is not a drill. And we have a real enemy who wants to sow disunity and division. I have met him as he worked through people who called themselves believers. Don't be one of them. This message could go a couple different ways, but I hope it goes up. That's always been his job, to sow disunity and division. I can say this with utter confidence that every church split, every issue that has ever come to the body of Christ has been a result of man's pride or the devil's work. That's what it is. You say, pastor, you're preaching really hard. Are y'all on the edge of a split? No, (laughs) thank God. But God's enemy wants to destroy the community that we build In fact, speaking of things like church divisions and breakups, how many of you have ever been part of a church that had a division of some sort, a major disagreement, people split off? Yeah, several of us. One of the side effects of pride is division. I'm giving you a biographical sketch of your enemy right now. Pride is what absorbed, that he allowed to absorb in his heart that caused the outflow of things like division. And immediately in Genesis, as the first example, you can see there was a complete disregard for community. That all of a sudden it was man against woman. It was people against God. 
It's all because of the enemy. And he's not dead. He's surely alive. So the enemy doesn't want us to be together because there's safety and strength in numbers. This has been said before a million times, but the truth rings true even today. There is strength and safety in numbers. Look at what the Apostle Peter writes about our enemy in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. He says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And I would just add a parenthesis there. Don't be that guy, right? Don't be the one who he's going to devour. Look at what it says in verse 9. So resist him firm in your faith. Remember, we just said Hebrews 10 says, hold fast to the confession of your faith. So resist him standing firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Did you see community there? There's even community among people who have never met before, but have gone through similar circumstances. I've seen it happen. I've seen women who have suffered from a miscarriage huddle and gather around another woman and all of a sudden there's this deep connection. I've seen military men and women who have seen a hat being worn by someone in a checkout line at Walmart immediately have a deep connection because they've been there. They know what it's like. And this is what Peter the apostle is writing to the church. Resist the devil and be firm in your faith because the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by brothers and sisters throughout the world. Peter likens the enemy to a lion on the prowl. I don't know if you've watched nature shows and things like that. I actually, this is a secret confession of mine. Literally, if I can't find anything else to watch, I love to just watch nature shows. I'll watch it about the beast of the safari and I'll watch all the things. I'll watch the ocean stuff. I watched, I've literally seen, I think every Disney nature movie. Those are some awesome things. Now we have to like wash away some of the evolutionary teaching stuff, but I just love it. I've always loved it since I was a kid. And I started thinking about Peter giving us this analogy or this likening of the enemy as a lion. And I thought, you know what? All the things I've ever known about lions, they are smart predators. They may be one of the smartest in the animal kingdom. They, they gather around and then they attack the single one, the, the one that's far away from the herd. They go to the one that's wandered off the path because they know that they've singled out their prey and they can prey on those that have strayed from the group. Why? Because it makes them an easier target. Lions are, they're working smarter, not harder. <laughs> the sad truth is the enemy of God is very intelligent and he works smarter. So we've got to be the people who are standing strong in our faith within the context of community. That's why the spiritual habit of community is so important to your spiritual health. Years ago, we talked about in our nation um, and it was talked about around the world, no child left behind. 
I would use that phraseology with inside the context of our church. Let no believer be left behind or left out of having this sense of community. Disconnection has far-reaching consequences to your spiritual health. It truly, truly does. If I'm disconnected, then I'm going my own way. When I read scripture, then I'm understanding it my own way without anybody else giving me any checks or balances. When I'm, when I'm disconnected, I'm away from my power source. You know, psychologists have done lots of studies and they're studying the current generations as well. They are so connected on social media. They check their likes and their followers and they post a video. If it doesn't get enough fanfare, then they delete it quickly. And in the midst of all of this, suicide is rising and the rates of depression have risen in that grouping of people. And they wonder why. Because they seem to be more connected than ever, but at the same time, They are experiencing this disconnect where they don't have human-to-human, face-to-face connection as we have before. There are some dangers with social media, but I'm not going to preach about that today. I'm going to just tell you it has dire consequences. Disconnection from the body of Christ has dire consequences to your spiritual Health. In fact, when I was looking at some studies that had been done about the social disconnect and the implications, I came across several studies that referenced rates of obesity, rates of mortality increasing, rates of depression increasing, all those risk factors increase when you don't have people. I love the fact that I've heard this phrase before. I've heard it said of others and said to me. You're my person. How many of you have a person? Right? That person that you can just expose your life to, your heart to, your goals, your desires. You need a person besides Jesus. And that person may be sitting next to you here in this church. Jesus is the top of the food chain. Amen? But beyond that, we need connection with other people who love the Lord. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. It says this, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So the truth is, you need one another. We need each other. We are better, we're stronger, and we're healthier together. When we are running together in a pack or in a group, we cannot be singled out by the enemy so easily because there's safety there. So think about that and how you can apply it to your life this week. I want to give you some practical ways that you can do that. In fact, that's my third point is this. Build the community that you want and need. The choice is up to you, truly. You've probably heard that phrase that's been said a million plus times. Be the change you want to see. Like, be part of the change. That's, it's communicating the same idea here. Build the community that you want and need. You have a part to play. I want to give you a few practical ways To start or develop. Remember, we said this about all of our spiritual habits that we've been talking about. 
There is no condemnation if you haven't really gotten a good start yet. We want you to get a good start in all of these spiritual habits. We're not going to ask you to fill out a form and say, I read the Bible this many times this week, but I do want you to read the Bible every day this week. And when you fall off the wagon, don't just say, well, forget about it. Jump right back into it the next day or the moment you feel the Holy Spirit convict you about that, then jump right back in. So all of us need to start these spiritual habits or develop them even more. So I'll give you the first way that you can practically apply this message. Get to church. You say, Pastor, you're preaching to people who are here. We're not missing. I got it. But there are others who might benefit from this point. And that is this. Regular church attendance will help you build the community you want and need. And I've heard some good news. There's a COVID vaccine. And for those of you that made a promise and said, once that vaccine comes out, I'm coming back to church. We got a seat ready for you. And, and here's, here's a side note to this. Don't run out the doors. I know that's not proper grammar and I'm really casual in that way. Don't run out the doors at the end. You are missing out on the opportunity to get to know someone weird, stinky, cool, vibrant, funny, whatever. But there's a good group of people in here and we can match you up with somebody. Regular church attendance. I love how the old preachers used to say, dogs bark, Christians go to church. It's true. It's a natural habit of a believer. Now, I understand and I get the COVID pandemic. I do. I really, truly do. And let me say from my heart, we deeply miss those who are still out as a result of this. So thank you for being willing to join us online. But being together is so important and you've got to make it a priority. I encourage families, parents of young kids, don't say yes to every activity. Don't say yes to every birthday party. Don't say yes to stuff that keeps you from church. It's hard, y'all. Anybody else have that? Yes, it's hard, but make it a priority. Number two in building the community is go to lunch. You say, pastor, this is right up my alley. Go to lunch after church with someone. Okay, don't just go pick up your food and go home. Listen, it saves cooking and cleaning and it deepens relationships. It's a really good thing. You say, well, that's just not my gig. Well, then pick another point and do it. You don't all have to go out to lunch together today. But I'm telling you, we already are here. We're already like-minded. We're already getting hungry. So let's go do it together. Let's ask each other, how's your job going? How's the job search going? What's what's the name of that third kid? I forgot. You know, whatever it is. And and talk. Enjoy fellowship together. I love our church because we do this faithfully. We really do fellowship together. Number three is this. Get on a team. Oh, if you only knew the things going through my mind right now. Mm. Get on a team. Because you need a team and the team needs you. 
well, I'm not really good at anything. Well, fine. There's a team of people that clean the church and all you have to do is take out the trash. And that's been messed up before too. (laughs) So, I mean, but join a team. Mark, are you loving this? I know you are. Join a team. Get on a team. Serving together cements community. There's a deep connection between the people who you see up here playing notes and singing words on a Sunday because they practice together. They're encouraging one another. I'm in their Facebook thing. They're posting memes of Bernie Sanders. It's funny. It's good. It's, it's good. And that sort of stuff brings that vitality to life and it strengthens the connections that we have. And here's what else it does. It obeys scripture because God says, if you love me, keep my commandments, serve me. How do I serve God? Just ask. (laughs) Someone will tell you how you can. It's not really that hard, y'all. It really isn't. Number four is this. I've only got five, so we're almost there. Letter D. Gather in small groups. Worship team, would you come? Gather in small groups or start a small group. Let me see your hands, including worship team members who are elegantly walking to the stage right now. Let me see your hands if this applies to you. How many of us have laundry needing to be washed or folded in our house presently? Is that 100% of us? Okay, great. How many of you... Was, is there a lot more than just one load, ladies and gentlemen? Okay, there's a, there's a lot more. How many of you have at least one thing you'd like to change about that beautiful house you live in? Did you see that? I mean, that's everybody's hands. Well, my house isn't really conducive, pastor. Or I, I live a little bit out of town or... or you know, the kids always have leave just this giant mess and I'd have to clean it after work before everybody. So invite a family over to have dinner. Have a time where you, listen, I don't have to start the small group. You can start a small group. Study a book of the Bible. Spend some time praying for one another, for the needs that they have. You know, there there's a, there are several really large churches that do really well with small group ministry. And I've always thought that it was kind of weird that some of the stuff they talk about in developing small groups, they talk about a common connection and there's small groups of women who like to crochet and they're crocheting projects together, then reading the Bible and praying for one another and having a meal. And I thought, that's really odd. There are men who like to hunt and they get all together. They go on a hunting trip or a camping trip and they talk about life, talk about their wives and families in a good way. Men, don't be talking. Hey, I know I heard some laughter. Men, do not talk bad about your spouse. You might even, man, this message covered so much today. You might even find yourself in a happier place if you stop talking bad about your spouse to others. But study a book of the Bible. Get some time and pray with one another. And the fifth, the last thing, letter E, choose community over solitary confinement. 
You may think prison is a big deal. I don't want to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever served time, but welcome. We're glad you're here. If you've ever watched a movie that involved prison, you know that one of the strictest punishments that can be given to a prisoner is solitary confinement. You say, well, that's pretty safe. Nobody there to hurt you and stuff like that. But you're there all alone. You don't have to do this Christian life alone. So choose community over solitary confinement. I want you to stand with me today. When I say that about the choosing community over solitary confinement, I mean that you can do that in a practical way. You can call or text a friend. You can go get coffee or lunch. You say, well, I don't feel comfortable going to restaurants right now. Well, then pick it up to go and go to a park. Stop making it so hard. It's not. Amen? Can I get a loud amen? Invite their family over for dinner. You don't even have to cook. Just pick up little Caesars. But step out of your comfort zone. Proverbs 18.24 says that the person who has friends must be friendly. Man, I'm so glad that this spiritual habit is alive and well at Celebrate Church. I'm so glad that it felt to me like I was preaching to the choir. But I do believe that the Holy Spirit has dropped something into some of our hearts today about how we can practically live this out this week. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to make a commitment to the Lord in prayer. I want you to commit to the Lord, not just by saying, Lord, I'll try. But how about something like this? Holy Spirit, will you help me get out of my comfort zone? Lord, that person I've been thinking about for the last week, will you help me to remember to text them or call them soon? Lord, help me to be a community builder within Celebrate Church. Whatever that simple prayer may be, I want you to pray it right now while I pray over you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Celebrate Church and for the sense of community that we have. Lord, I'm confident that the spiritual habit of community is alive and well, but it could always be better and always be developed more deeply. So Father, I pray that you would help us to be a church that connects, not just with people of like-mindedness, but even those who might be outside of our circle. Help us to be warm and generous and open to those who aren't like us so that, Lord, as we become like you, we'll all be together. I pray that you would help us this week to be builders of community within our, within our faith, within our church family. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray.